All right, well, if you have your Bible, I hope that you do. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing in our study on the Beatitudes. And if you've been with us, you know that it's quiz time. And you might be saying, I haven't been here to, to take the quiz. I don't care. And so what we're going to do today is there is a prize. And what I want to, first of all, say thank you to both, uh, or to three, to Mark Witt and to Joseph Brasher of continuing the Beatitude series. And then Lynn Riley uh, literally just jumping in as a, as a last kind of minute pinch hitter of being able to be with you guys last week because I was... Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't be here. shouldn't have been here last week. And so I'm so thankful for them. And so for Mark and for Joseph being able to take the time to continue in that series, I just want to see for those of you that have been here, if you can remember what those Beatitudes were. And so I'll give you a hint on the first one. So if you think you can answer this and you think you can get both and you have a chance to win today's prize. But uh, the week that Mark was here, it was blessed are the merciful. But does anyone know the rest of that Beatitude? Blessed are the merciful. Dalton? for they shall receive mercy. Now, this is a two-part quiz. You got to get it all to get at everything. So the second one was from Joseph Brasher, and it said, blessed are the pure in heart for... I don't know how to give away these prizes now. <laughs> all right. I'll give Dalton one, and I'll give another one another one. So today, we're looking at blessed are the peacemakers, and I think this is creative as all get out. My wife disagrees. Um, <laughs> And so I got Reese's Pieces because this is Reese's Peacemakers. And so I, I thought it was a cute little play on words. And so, um, and so uh, I'm going to give uh, Paula, because I heard Paula, uh, would you rather, because we're going to let ladies choose, would you rather have uh, the Reese's Peacemakers or the watermelon? Okay, the Reese's. <laughs> Best prize ever. Um, <laughs> Now, some of you may wonder why watermelon, because it's, it's a theme that we've had here at Mission Point, and watermelon is delicious. Um, and so these are your prizes that you can pick up afterwards, and today we are looking at Blessed Are the Peacemakers. And I will say, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek, if, if you want to make peace, bring Reese's Pieces. I promise you, people are going to be happier. And if you also want to, watermelon is also a good peace kind of offering as well, if in relationships that may be a little bit strained. And so today... Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 as we've done. I'm going to read through verses 1 through 12. This is, again, that opening introduction of the Sermon on the Mount. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me." Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, as we've been going through this, just to kind of prepare you for next week, next week's prize, it'll be a prize, um, and, uh, but it might not be the kind of prize that you think or that you want. But secondly, um, I'll go ahead and just prepare you. Can you recite the Beatitudes, Matthew 5.3 through Matthew 5.12? 
Can you recite these eight Beatitudes? And we've looked at them, uh, we've, we've read them each and every week. Hopefully you've been studying them, reading them at least one time a week. It's like a, what, a minute of your time to read the Beatitudes at least one time a week to be able to get these uh, into our hearts and rooted into who we are so that we would live out, as was shared by both Mark and Joseph, these attitudes within our, within our lives. And so as we look at today's Beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What I want us to see is that you and I, we were created for relationship. Ultimately and primarily, we were created for relationship with God, and then secondarily, we were created for relationship with others. And so when we look at this first part of blessed are the peacemakers, the first thing I really want us to see this morning is that you were created or you are created for relationship with others. I want us to look at our, our horizontal relationships that we have with others before we look at that vertical relationship that we have with the God of heaven and of earth. And so our relationship that we have with others, I think we would hopefully agree that relationships are a good thing, that they are great. My hope is that you are not only invested in relationships right now with people in your life, but that you are continuing to put yourself out there in a vulnerable way in order to continue to invest in relationships. Now, I realize that there are all kinds of a variety of personalities here in this room and watching online, and you might say, I'm a little bit more of a loner or I'm a little bit more of a people person. And regardless of your personality type, whether you're introvert or extrovert, whatever it may be, the truth of the matter is, is that you can't argue with the Word of God is that you are not intended to journey through this life on your own. Solitude from time to time is a healthy discipline in your life. Isolation is not. Isolation is going to breed uh, opportunity for, I believe, Satan to get a foothold in your life and begin to kind of work on you because you aren't being able to be sharpened by other men and women in your life. The Lord says in Genesis chapter 2, after he has gone through creation, he's created man, and he looks at man and he says these words, it is not good for man to be alone. And so out of man comes the creation of Eve and for him to have a wife and to have this relationship. We can see throughout Scripture that there are a variety of relationships that we're intended for because we're not intended to live this life alone. Uh, we could certainly see this within the marriage relationship. All of us can see this within a family relationship. I mean, all of you were born by someone, so there's a family out there that you are in, engaged in. We have it with our relationships with friends that we journey and have life together. I, I, I can remember a few weeks ago as we were in small group and just discussing, I can remember Miss Leah just sharing, I think, a wonderful point of some of her children as they would travel off, they would find a church family, a church home, and though they were not biological family, there was that sense of community and family that can only be found through certain institutions, and the church is certainly one of them that God has created for that reality. I can remember my freshman year of college. It was the loneliest year of my life. I just finished graduating from high school, going to go into college, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I, everyone would ask me that question, what's, what's your major? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm 18 years old. I don't know. And I remember all of my friends were going off to the University of Oklahoma, the best university in the land. And they went to the University of Oklahoma. And uh, as they were there, I felt alone and left behind. And here I am in Tulsa, living with my parents, not going on to that next stage of life. And I, I just said, you know what? 
This is what I'm going to do. I know that this year I'm going to get some basics out of the way, some college basic courses. I'm not going to rack up much debt. Okay, that's fine. But next year, my sophomore year of college, I'm going to move down to Norman, Oklahoma, uh, God's country, and then we're going to go on, and, and I'm going to live there, maybe go to OU or go to another year of community college in Oklahoma City. And so I made a determined, or I made a choice. I said literally to myself, I don't want to invest in any kind of relationships this year because I'm going to be gone in about nine months. So what's the point? And as making that willing choice, it was the loneliest year of my life. Now, can God bring good out of that? He absolutely did. My prayer life just ratcheted through the roof. Just I needed to spend time with someone He's always there with me. And so I spent a lot of time with my Lord and Savior and praying, but I was incredibly lonely and isolated and struggled with all kinds of different struggles and temptations because I wasn't living this life with other individuals. And so what I began to realize is that if I, if I want to be able to kind of mature as God would have me mature, yes, it's good to spend that time with Him in prayer, but He's designed us to journey through this life together. Even God Himself, our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, He is, uh, he is divine, this divine being that is in community within Himself. In fact, as I've mentioned before to our small groups, that the way in which you learn theology, you learn some theology, you learn some about God and what we believe according to the Scriptures in a setting like this, but the best means by which you will learn a proper biblical theology is when you are sitting in circles with one another, having that opportunity to be able to say, this is what Scripture says, and someone says, well, I don't understand, why does it say that? Because I don't know about you, but I have been prone to make a mistake from time to time when I read Scripture. I want it to say what I want it to say versus what it actually says. And if there are other men or women within a group that were living life together wanting to get to the root of what does God have to say, then we come to a point of humility to be able to say, no, 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 actually, friend, brother, sister, I don't think that's true. I believe this is what he's saying. And we begin to to wrestle with what is God actually saying so that we can get to the truth of it. Because again, we're prone to make mistakes. We're, We're not perfect. And so we need others. And so even for us, over the course of the summer, some of you know, we, we've, we've kind of had this, this launch into to small groups uh, by meeting here on, on Sunday afternoons, and we're going to be meeting again today. But the whole purpose and intent is to try to live out. I thought about this even this morning. I do not want Mission Point to be a church that says, we're going to do small groups. Why? Because that's what churches do. No. We do small groups. We do community together, life together, because that's what the New Testament church did. They met in the synagogues, and they met from home to homes. They had moments of formal teaching like this, and they had moments of smaller moments of community, of of going from house to house, and breaking bread, and having fellowship, and following the apostles' teaching, because they knew that we've been ostracized from our family. We've been maybe lost our job because now I'm a Christ follower in the New Testament church. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ in order to get through this life. And as, even as Janice was saying, we have so much in the United States that if we're not careful, we can kind of live this life just about as much as we want to by ourselves and in our, in our homes and have, uh, like even this week, I began to work remotely from home. Uh, I can have food ordered to my house. I can almost never leave, and that can just be my world and be my life. And yeah, that, that's a tactic that you can take. But there's something unique about being able to literally be in the room with others, to be able to rub shoulders and to live life with them. And again, we did see that when we were in the DR. 
And when we saw that community of living life with one another, being outside and enjoying that time together. And so this is my little five-minute blurb of my time in the DR. The word that I used that I came up with was humbled. I was incredibly humbled throughout the entire experience that I had of being able to have the privilege of you sending me to be able to go to be a part of this and to have a vision of what is the Lord doing here, and not just what is He doing now in this moment, but how can we be a part of this in the months and years to come to where this isn't just we went on a summer mission trip. It's, no, we are partnering with what is going on in the work in the DR because we're called to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're to get out of our comfort zone. We're to get out of our bubble in order to bring back what we've experienced and hopefully have it here as well. But incredibly, incredibly humbled by their kindness and their generosity. It's been mentioned before, but to be able to see and to go on some home visits with the pastor from Crossway, Sherman, and we, we went on these home visits, and I, I realized very quickly Sherman doesn't know really any Spanish. I don't know very much Spanish as well. And so we had to have translators with us in order to communicate with those that we were going to visit with. And it was at that moment that the DR really became alive to me. Because you've seen in some of the pictures where you saw the facility, the church building facility, the fourth refugio, where they would meet for worship and where they would also be able to have the kids gather around and, and do different activities. But when we got off that kind of main road, that main dirt road, and went off to the more uh, village-type roads, to be able to walk into those homes and be able to meet these different families that I met. I, I, I don't know if, I, if, 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 I'll, if I'll see again, because some of the families that I met, there were so many children with special needs. There, there were some situations that I don't want to get into the details of it, because I think it can be sensationalized at times, and I don't want to do that to, to our Dominican friends, but I walked into some homes, and I, it, it, it was overwhelming to where I needed time to process what I had just seen and experienced, and to be able to see their interaction, and as Janice was saying, of being so humbled, of whether it was like Doug was saying, of here, sit in this chair, or here, can I make you something while you're visiting with us? And would you be willing to pray for our home and for our family? It, it was an incredibly humbling experience. But to be able to literally pound the streets, walk the pavement, well, not the pavement, walk the dirt roads from home to home and to be able to see how they were living and to be able to see even still their continued hospitality, generosity, and it was incredibly humbling and incredibly, in, in a unique way, good for me to see and to experience. But beyond that, as, as, as most of you know, Wednesday night we got to take our tests to see if we had COVID, and I, I, I was the winner. And... Uh, <laughs> And I was so just kind of shocked. I was like, there's no way this is true. So that humbled me because there's part of me that's like, no, 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 Lord, you brought me here to see what's going on. I don't want to be stuck in this campground as great as it is and as nice as it is. I want to be out with the people and with this team that I've gotten to know and to be able to continue to, 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 to go and do some home visits and have an opportunity to go to that Friday night worship service that apparently was just awesome. And I'm like, I missed it. But what I was able to experience is either I could bemoan the fact and go, this is what I didn't get to do, or I can step back and see, God, this is what you allowed me to experience. I was able to have an opportunity where our cook, who is also apparently like the CPA for revision, um, oh, Julia, 
she, she just took me under her wing and she, she started taking, she took me on Thursday to hospital visits and I had no idea what was going on. I don't speak the language. My currency is not your currency. My culture is not your culture. And if it wasn't for her, I would have just been this, this, this American just walking around, just doing this of like, I don't, I don't know. Did you call me back? Was it Stephen or was it Stabon? I don't know. Am I supposed to be able to get some blood drawn? Should you be drawing blood right now? Is that what you need? And Julie was just on it. And in fact, at one point, we went to, um, to one of the doctor places. Uh, I'm really good with medical stuff. And, <laughs> and we went there, and we, we got everything set up, ready to go. And then um, uh, Melanie, who is uh, kind of the boots-on-the-ground person in charge of revision in the DR, uh, she's, she's American, she, um, she was helping me out, and Julia was parking the car. And Melanie was trying to get some stuff figured out. She's really good with her Spanish, very fluent, and... Um, and then Julia comes in, and she, she's just no nonsense. She's, she, she literally goes back the door that you don't go back until you get called back. Even in America, we know you don't go past that door. Julia was like, this is ridiculous. And she just opened the door, and she goes back there. And she, was, she just started talking to people, and she was like, you need to see this guy because he needs to be seen, so that way we can get this other doctor to come in. And I was just so humbled because of how <laughs> aggressive she was in my care and for my care and for my good. And I also, but I felt so extremely helpless, but so grateful at the same time. I got to see the community of the body of Christ with brothers and sisters that I don't really, I'm not even, even really able to talk to them very well in a conversation, but their kindness and their actions. It was just so, so incredibly humbling. Um, I, I, could go, I could go on with, with, with the humility of everything, of, of what we experienced and and, but, but I also want to continue with, with what the Lord has for us this morning, but it, it, was, it was an incredible joy, and so I do want to say thank you to Mission Point, and, and not just for your financial support, which, can I just tell you, I, I lied, we're going to get to the Word in a second. Um, <laughs> when, when we kind of raised the challenge, and we had that little cinder block and that little yellow booklet that you guys saw for about a month and a half up here, I can remember being a part of church families where we would try to promote Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Some of you know what that is. Or Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Love them. Great offerings. Home missions, foreign missions. But at times it would be like, will you give to this? And it was like pulling teeth to get people to support the Lord's work beyond our realm. And we didn't even raise a, or set a goal. We were just like, will you give? And with, with, with your gifts and with the gifts of... Uh, the, the ministry assistance fund that CBA offers and that I applied for and that we received, not only were we able to help offset these costs for us as individuals to be able to go, but we were able to also contribute and be able to give to some of the construction supplies and to be able to give to other supplies that are needed and things down the road. And, and it's one of those things of where I, I visited with my dad, who's a retired pastor, and I was like, in, in years of pastoring some churches of where I'm like, would you guys give $500 to like, you know, Annie Armstrong? You, you guys give like $2,500. And you might think, oh, it's $2,500. You know, I, that, that's not much to me. As, as a pastor who's been a part of churches that have been 150 to 200, kind of on average, we might call a small church. Well, we're obviously a little bit smaller than that. For you to give of your resources and for you to take the time to pray it's humbling that a church of about 40 to 50 strong would 
say, yeah, let's go and let's do it. That's awesome. Like you're, you're a part of a church family that is unique. Like it's really unique. I've talked about it with Tiffany a lot. You guys are a unique church family. That's why we're so excited to be here and to be a part of what's going on. I'm so thankful that I got to meet Doug on some random coffee visit because Joseph Brasher, who preached a few weeks ago, said, you need to meet Doug. And I was like, I like this man. His philosophy of ministry is just on par with, I believe, what the Word has to say. And to be able to be a part of what he's been doing in the DR for years, like I see some exciting things for the life of our church, but I hope that we'll continue to remain um, steadfast and diligent and going forward, but also humbled along the way, because we're going to experience some incredible things here and there, locally and globally. And so, again, just a word of gratitude and thanks to the people of Mission Point and to my brothers and sisters uh, here as well. Um, on, on a lighter note, <laughs> uh, I was humbled on a basketball court. Ask Brian. Um, <laughs> I want to say heat, stroke almost happened, and that's why I shot one of the worst shots you've ever seen on a basketball court. Um, And he likes to let me know about it. Um, uh, So, as we continue on, part of my reason of wanting to share that is I've had this sermon set for like a couple of weeks now, but as I was thinking about the need of relationships, I couldn't help but go back to my time in the DR, in that community that we got to experience and not just the community with the Dominicans, but the community of this team. I mean, there were five of us, but there were, um, what, 19 from Crossway. Didn't know each other hardly at all, and just the, the unity and harmony within this group was something remarkable. I remember Janice commenting on it one night when we were having small groups, family groups at, at, at evening time, and it was. It was remarkable to be able to have that experience, and it's what I want you to be able to experience. We, we don't have to go on a plane to experience that kind of community. It's here. It's available. We just got to be vulnerable and be able to choose to make that step to have community. So my hope is that you would agree community is important. Relationships with others are important, but they are hard at times. And because they're hard, there is that tendency sometimes to pull back because it's a protective measure. If I don't put myself out there, I can't be hurt. But the reality is, is that even though we may have those hard relationships, some of you may have that rebellious child or that stubborn husband, the nagging wife, the, the mean girl, or there might be differences of opinions between groups within the life of even like a church. There might be age differences or cultural differences. It doesn't mean that we stop or that we, we, we don't move forward. The, the truth of the matter is, is you guys know that the phrase of women are from Venus and men are from Mars, there's just these differences that we have as men and women as we go into a marriage relationship. I get the privilege of the opportunity to begin a premarital counseling course. I'm going to get to marry this young couple in October, and we're going to start tomorrow. And one of the biggest things we're going to hit on is if you want this relationship, this marriage to work, is it's, it's the, the leading cause of divorce, we might think is maybe finances or family issues or, or, or intimacy. It's, it's, it's communication. Communication is so incredibly key. And we see that within the life of Jesus as he communicates the truth with people again and again, even if it's hard to hear at times, but he does it with tact and he, and he does it with grace. We are called to be peacemakers when these relationships do become hard. And so I believe it's on the screen, but I want to give you a, a working definition of what a peacemaker is. It's taking two, it might be two individuals or two different entities, but taking two who are at odds with one another and bringing them into relationship, into a relationship of unity and harmony. You can leave that up there for a little bit for them if it's on there. Yeah, awesome. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about a peacemaker. In the book of James, it says, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, this idea of are you in Christ? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? 
It's His righteousness in you and coming out of you. Because this is what it means to be, to be saved. It's Jesus in your life, and it's Jesus coming out of your life. Sometimes we talk about in an invitation, do you want to invite Jesus into your life? Great start. But now that He's in your life, let Him come out of your life. Don't trap Him up like a genie in a bottle and just say, now He's mine. He's, he's intended to come out of you, that when you are squeezed and when you live this life, that people see Christ in you. So some of you, well, maybe none of you have ever uttered this phrase, but I certainly have, where I've said something or done something, and I'll go, I cannot believe I just said that. <laughs> or I can't believe I just did that. Like, I punched a guy in the throat. Like, I felt so bad about that, but he had it coming. And it was one of those things where it's like, I can't believe I did that. I've, I've, I've been in Christ since I was six years old. Why is that coming out of me? Why would I talk to my wife that way? How could I possibly treat some of you dot, dot, dot? But I think we've all had those moments of we're like, where did that come from? Well, we know it didn't come from Christ. My hope and my desire is that because Christ is in us as followers of Jesus, that when we say the words, I can't believe that came out of me, or I can't believe that I said that, it, it, it would be because, because in that moment, you chose not to retaliate. You chose not for revenge. I think I heard either Joseph or, 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 or Mark when they preached their sermon. It's when you're standing at the line and the person is taking forever at Walmart and you've chosen, instead of giving the eye roll so that they'll hopefully passively, aggressively see you, kind of like, oh, why are you taking so long? Instead of just being like, I don't know what's going on with them, but I'm sure they're ready to get out of here too. But what tends to come out of me is like, you're wasting my time. Get out of line. If you don't know how to work the self-checkout machine, you go to that machine, and then it'll be much easier for the rest of us in human society. Figure it out! And that's not exactly what we need. We don't need more division. We don't need more of that. What we need is moments where we can see people and go, how can peace be brought about in this situation? So, as a follower of Jesus, if you would confess that Jesus is your Lord, there are some things that we must refuse. The first is this. You must refuse to postpone apologies. Choose to refuse to postpone apologies or restitution. If you owe an apology, husbands, give it. If you owe an apology, wife, give it. Sometimes what we'll say is, well, I would, but she needs to. No. You are responsible in your relationship before God. You have no control over anyone's decisions or words or anything. It is your words and your decisions that you have the ability to respond to appropriately. You're responsible not for how she treats you. You're responsible for how you treat her. It's on you. Same with your friends. Even same with your enemies. For some of you, maybe it's that person on the other side of the aisle politically it may be someone that you disagree with about some cultural issues or some ethical issues. Ours is to treat them as Christ would treat them, I believe, with grace and with truth. But we need to recognize that we would be quick to apologize. And, and, and I remember in Tiffany and I's premarital counseling, one of the things that I'm going to offer to this couple that I'm going to be meeting with to, beginning tomorrow night is I remember our premarital counselor said, almost make it a competition between you and your spouse to see who can genuinely <laughs> apologize first, who can genuinely humble themselves before the other one and, and genuinely apologize. Don't postpone it. Don't wait for it. Don't wait until they do. And, and don't throw it in as, I'm sorry that you did this. That's not an apology. <laughs> That's an accusation. It's just, I'm sorry. And this is how I feel. This is what I'm experiencing, but I'm, I'm sorry. But we refuse to postpone those apologies because we are peacemakers. Second thing that we refuse to do, we refuse revenge. 
We refuse revenge. I know they cut you off in traffic and you want to show them a hand gesture, or I know that they did something to you and you just want to be able to be like, they they need a lesson and I'm going to sit them down and teach them the ways of the road. The the reality is, is that you're probably never going to see them again. And you know what really riles them up to heap some coals of uh, fire upon their head, as it says in Romans 12, just wave at them like, hey, how you doing? And and just, just don't seek out that revenge. Because that revenge is going to begin to just take over and boil up within you to where, to where you're just going to be bursting out towards the other people who had nothing to do with the circumstance or situation. You're called to be that peacemaker. Believe that God, in His Word, He will take care of the vengeance and the justice. That's His responsibility, not our responsibility. So, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That first thing, you're created for a relationship with others. Secondly, Primarily, you're created for a relationship with God. He says that you shall be called sons of God. I want you to get this because it's something that's been hammered over the last several weeks, either from myself or other preachers. But when we look at these beatitudes, these are not do these things and then this is how you'll be saved. It's if you're doing these things, it's evidence that you are saved. When he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God, this is not saying that if you go and make peace then you get to be a son of God or a child of God. Rather, it's that you are already recognized as such, that you already are identified as a son, a child of God. God will call you His child when you behave this way, as a peacemaker, because you can only act this way as a peacemaker if you already are indeed His child. So it's kind of like father like son, Some people, you might look at me and my earthly father, my dad, and you might look at us, and he's about six foot, six foot one, I'm five foot eight. You might look at us and go, I don't see it. But if he were to get up here and preach, you would go, oh, I see it. Because I can't help but have some mannerisms and expressions of listening to my dad preach for a long time that just kind of crept within me, like father like son. Some of you will see that. Even in people, I remember visiting with students who go, I want to be nothing like my mom or my dad. And as they got older, they seemed like, you kind of can't help it. You've been around them a lot. You're going to kind of behave and act the way that they act and the way that they behave. As you behave as a peacemaker, people should see God in you because you are His child. And this is the beauty of just who God is. So when I say this, almost if you're his child, this should be your name coming in. God is gracious when you love him, and he's gracious when you're a jerk. God is gracious to those who pursue him, and he's even gracious to those who flee from him. God is gracious to those who love him, and he's gracious to his enemy. That's who our God is. When you come to know God and be in relationship in him, then you become like God. You become that peacemaker. As I mentioned before, I believe that our our culture and our society is banking on division right now. Just pull up the news or pull up Twitter or whatever it may be, and everything is, you got to be 100% this or 100% that. We can't have an honest conversation. we got to hate each other. We're banking on division. Do you know what will stand out about the people and the church of Mission Point is that as opposed to causing more division, if we would be about peacemaking, that if the people of Jesus are about reconciliation, not division, then we'll look different from this world, and it will repel some, but it will attract others because it's something that is missing within this world. Last thing I want to mention to you is that 
some of you know that Tiffany and I have gone through the adoption process a couple of times and just hasn't worked out in the way that we would have liked to. But one of the things that I've experienced in both of these processes that have not worked is in a moment, when I first heard Addison's cry at the hospital, it wasn't, that's going to kind of be my daughter. It was, she is my daughter. We had the embryos. For some, it was like, oh, you had some embryos and you lost them. It was like, no, these are created in the Imago Deo of God. And when we lost them, it was losing a child. Because I didn't see them as kind of my sons or daughters. I saw them as my sons and my daughters. I've pursued you. I've gone after you. And even though you will not look anything like me, you might have the same skin color, you're going to be my son or my daughter. And like father, like son, you're going to you're not going to be able to help but act like me, behave like me, because you are my child. Do you look like Jesus? Do you look like God the Father? Did you look like Him yesterday when you had that moment in a hard relationship with someone? Is He oozing out of you? Because this is the beauty. Last thing, Jesus is the, the ultimate peacemaker. He is the ultimate peacemaker. Remember that definition. A peacemaker is taking two who are at odds with one another and bringing them into a relationship of unity and harmony. Either you were or you still are an enemy of God. And some of you might say, that seems like harsh language. It's true language. Either you were or you are still an enemy of God because our sin separates us from God. And God in His goodness and His grace sends Jesus to be the peacemaker who's able to bring you into a right relationship of unity and harmony with the Father. And listen to this, friends. Listen to this. Jesus doesn't just simply make it, make it right with God. He doesn't just simply make you righteous. He ushers you into the family. He ushers you into relationship with Him and with the body of Christ, with brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not kind of like a son or a daughter. You are his son or his daughter, adopted into the family. So my question is, is God your father? And it's only possible through faith in Jesus. It's the only means where it's possible. So two things I want you to do as we close up is I want you to ask this question, and as they sing in just a moment, I want you to respond to this in your head and your heart so you may not sing. You may just pray where you're at. If you need someone to visit with, I'll visit with you. I'm available to be able to pray with you. But the two things is, are you in a right relationship with others, first of all? Are there people in your life that you think of a family member, a coworker, a friend, a spouse, whatever it may be, that you're just like, things are not where they need to be. There is not peace. If there is not, how can you practically go make peace? Not tell them everything that they need to hear or that you think they need to hear. How can you go make peace? The second is, not only are you in a right relationship with others, but are you in a right relationship with God? For some of you, you may be sitting here today and you are as distant from your fellowship with the Lord than you've been in a while. You're going through the motions. You're here on Sunday. You're doing your thing. But are you in right fellowship with God? Are you investing in that relationship with Him? And I would say for the follower of Jesus, if you are not, what are those practical steps that you need to take in this time of response to think, okay, I, I need to choose to put the time in my commute or whatever it is just to spend even just a, a little bit of time with Him. I need to be in His presence because if I go in isolation, I'm never going to grow in that relationship with Him. You've got to choose to go to Him again and again. And for others of you, it may be, 
when you talk about surrendering to God and being a peacemaker, being called a son of God, a child of God, if you're saying that makes absolutely no sense to me, but you're curious as to what that means and what that looks like, during our time as we're singing, come visit with me and just say, can we set up a time to have a conversation about what it means to be a child of God? Because that's what He created you for, to be in a relationship with Him, adopted into His family. But it's not just because you want to be. He has a specific avenue by which it's possible, and it's through Jesus. I'd love to talk with you about that. Pray with me. Father, I pray that as we conclude our time and, and as we see and hear from your word, that we would be men and women who are peacemakers, and that, that this wouldn't be something that we try to achieve in order to be a part of your family, but because we are in your family, just the natural byproduct of that is that we desire to make peace. Father, I pray that that would be what is seen in our lives as individuals and as a church whole, that people would see that we are peacemakers because of Jesus in our life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.